I'd like to begin this evening by offering a warm welcome to our ninth graders who are here for a confirmation retreat with their families uh, this evening. They spent the day in prayer and a couple talks, and they're closing their time of retreat with Mass this evening and their families, so good to have all them here. Our ninth graders will be confirmed actually a month from today by Bishop Kagan, so please be sure to keep all of our ninth grade soon-to-be-confirmed young people in your prayers in this final month before their confirmation. Everyone, this evening, this weekend, marks the beginning of what is known in the United States as National Vocation Awareness Week, National Vocation Awareness Week. I trust that title speaks for itself, but in case you're wondering, it's a week designated each year, this first week in November, for us to really have a great awareness, greater awareness, I should say, regarding the various uh, vocations in the life of the church, namely the priesthood, the diaconate, and the consecrated religious life for us to be praying for those discerning, those in formation. And so please be sure in your own prayers this week to keep that in mind. In light of that, what I want to do this evening, I've never done here before at St. Mary's in regards to Mass, but I want to share with you uh, my own personal vocation story. Now, I just heard your inner groanings. It almost knocked me over, don't worry. Uh, but I'm going to do it. And here's why. I know some of you maybe have caught snippets before at confirmation retreats and things like that. But I'm usually hesitant doing something like this, namely because, believe it or not, I really don't like talking about myself. Now, that might surprise some of you that I don't like talking about myself, but I really don't, uh, probably like many of you. But here's why I want to do this. I think oftentimes we as priests and seminarians, in fact, there's a certain stereotype that many of us have towards priests and towards seminarians as to the kind of person God calls to be a priest. I want you to hear it from me that I think I break every stereotype you have. And just in case you have them and doubt that, I'm going to break them for you here this evening. So here we go. As you know, you've heard this before, born and raised in Williston. Many of you have heard about Williston so many times in homilies, you feel like you live there, I bet. All right? Uh, I have two younger brothers. My youngest brother, Evan, is 10 years younger than me. He is a police officer with the Williston Police Department. He got married this past summer in July. His wife, Hannah, her younger brother, is actually a transitional deacon for the diocese, will be ordained this coming summer, Logan Obergewich, which means then my brother has a priest brother, me, and a brother-in-law who will soon be a priest. So try that on, all right? Uh, my other brother, Eric, is a financial advisor who works with my dad up in Williston. He's five years younger than me. My dad, as I mentioned, is a financial advisor, been in the industry for about 30 years, and my mom, she's the wor real worker of the house. She's been staying at home since I was in the third grade, and a wonderful mom, a wonderful parents. I would say by all accounts, I had a very normal, very healthy, very happy childhood. I did normal kids things like playing baseball, playing basketball, uh, played hockey for 10 years, ran cross country in high school, was good at none of them, absolutely none of them. Uh, if you've ever seen me do anything athletic, you know what I'm talking about. I am not an athlete. That's why I'm standing here in front of you today. All right. Um, in regards to my own religious formation, I was raised, of course, by my folks. My dad was a, a Lutheran. He since converted. My mom was a Catholic. They had me baptized Catholic as, as an infant. But in many ways... That was about it. Um, I went to religious formation growing up at our local Catholic parish. 
Um, but just to give you a sense, I want to explain to you the Sunday morning schedule at St. Joseph's, just in case you're wondering. Uh, we had Mass at 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and then Faith Formation classes at 9.15, and then a second Mass at 10.30. So Faith Formation was sandwiched between the two morning Masses so that families could come to Mass at 8, and then kids could go to Faith Formation, or they could come to Faith Formation and then go to Mass at 10.30. I trust that kind of makes some sense. Well, in the Johnson House, I would get dropped off at 9.15, go to Faith Formation until 10.15, and I can still remember walking down the hall after Faith Formation classes one Sunday morning and taking a left to the parking lot, and my buddy was taking a right to the church to go to Mass. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to church. I said, we just did church. We just did a lot of church for an hour. He said, that wasn't church. I said, it felt like church. And he went to Mass, and I went home. That was it. Third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, year, sophomore in high school, beginning our two years of confirmation. We were confirmed in those days as juniors, and so the beginning of our sophomore year began the two-year confirmation program. Uh, late fall, about this time of year, sophomore year, we had a confirmation meeting, beginning of the year meeting. It happened to fall on a Wednesday evening, and it just so happened that the Minnesota Twins were playing a playoff game that evening that I really, really, really needed to watch. And so I, of course, went to a buddy's house, watched the game, about halfway through the game, the phone rang. No, not my cell phone, because I didn't have one. Young people, I was 16 years old and did not have a cell phone. I repeat, 16 years old and did not have a cell phone. So quit whining, all right? <laughs> Just teasing. Uh, but the phone rang, and is the strangest thing. Imagine this. There's this phone hanging on the wall, and it had a cord coming out of it, kind of a squiggly cord that would go into a handset and it would ring and you'd walk over to it, you'd pick it up, you'd say hello, and then you'd say, hey honey, it's for you, and then they'd walk over and they'd answer. Strangest thing, I don't know, all right? But the phone rang. My buddy answered it, it was his house. He said, it's for you. I said, well, who's calling me? So I went and answered the phone, and it was my mom. I said, what's going on? She said, you got that confirmation meeting tonight, don't forget. I said, I'm not going. She said, what? I said, I'm not going. She said, well, why not? I said, Mom, give me a break. We don't even go to church. And I'm supposed to go to a confirmation meeting? I don't think so. And what could she say? Not much. So I hung up. I hope I said bye. I don't remember. And... The game ended. If you're wondering, the Twins won. And in case you're keeping track, it was actually the last time they won a playoff baseball game. It's been 19 years. I'm serious. Uh, the game ended, and it was 6.45 p.m., 15 minutes before this meeting. So I said, what the heck, I'll go. So I went, snuck in the back door, sat down, and I think what happened over the next few minutes can only be described as God the Holy Spirit taking a claim on my heart. The priests went on to kind of propose some options for us soon to be confirmed. 
he said, young people, at the end of your life, what's going to matter the most? He said, is it going to be your grade point average? Is it going to be how many varsity games you started? Is it going to be how popular you are or were? These things that high school students tend to kind of idolize, right? And I was, of course, saying, well, yeah, those things really matter to me. But then he proposed a different option. He said, or will something else matter more? Namely, your relationship with God. And everyone, for the first time in my life, 16 years old, it occurred to me that a relationship with God is possible. That it's possible. A friendship with God. And in that moment, I didn't know what it looked like, but I wanted it. And I remember making the internal resolve right then, right there, 16 years old, that I would do whatever it took. And that I wasn't going to stand up there on my confirmation day and pretend that I believe all this stuff, that I have no idea of what I'm talking about or what I'm supposed to be saying. That I thought to myself, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. If I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. So I did it. Four days later was a Sunday. I had time to think over those four days of this whole confirmation thing. And I decided Saturday night to set my alarm for Sunday morning. Alarm went off, got up, got ready, walked upstairs. My folks said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Mass. Remember all that church talk a couple days ago? I said, I'm going. And it occurred to me, right, that I drove everywhere. I was 16 years old, newly licensed. Who doesn't like to drive? I would run errands for my mom. Like, who does that? I would drive to school, drive to friends. I was just anything to drive. So maybe I drove to church just so I could drive, but I went. And as I was sitting there for the first time in a long time, outside of Christmas and Easter, I knew that it was a place I was supposed to be on a Sunday morning. I wanted to be there. Fast forward seven days later, the next Sunday morning, came, set my alarm, got up, got ready, walked upstairs, walked into the kitchen where my mom and dad usually were, reading the paper, drinking coffee, whatever. No one was there. Hello? Felt like Kevin McAllister on Home Alone. (laughs) Walked back to their bedroom, and they were getting ready. I said, where are you going? I said, we're going to church. We're not letting our son go alone. So they came. My brothers came too. And everyone had changed not just my life, but our life. It changed everything. Simply going to Mass on Sundays as a family changed everything for us. I love being a priest. And I think my call to the priesthood came from what I just described. As my junior, senior year went on, I started going to daily mass somehow, some way. My only grandparent who is Catholic, you have four grandparents in case you're wondering, my only one who is Catholic, my mother's mother, she had passed away during this time uh, from cancer. Uh, the priest came to their home in the middle of the night. It was the first time that I saw a priest actually outside of a church. I'm like, wow, you guys exist outside of church, what the heck? 
And something in that moment was also stirring in my heart. And so when the time came to decide where I was going to go to college and what I was going to do, the most natural thing in the world seemed like the seminary. In those two years, I never remember a time where I didn't feel called to be a priest and didn't feel like the seminary was the next move for me. And so at the age of 18, I left home, joined the seminary in St. Paul, and spent the next eight years in formation. Been a priest now eight years, so been at this 16 years. As I mentioned, I love being a priest. I know that sometimes my own demeanor, my own affect, if you will, doesn't oftentimes communicate that. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love it. It's a great life. Now, does it have its challenges? Yeah, you bet. What life doesn't? And one of the main challenges for me as a priest is oftentimes, how do I say, my own weaknesses, my own failures, my own inadequacies are on full display for all of you. And you oftentimes see them. And you can name them probably better than I can. And that's hard, but that's part of the public nature of our life. But I won't trade it. I mentioned all this this week and everyone not to draw any kind of attention to myself in any sort of way, but I share it because God works in imperfect people and imperfect families. But when we give God space and time, he has his way. Priests don't come from nowhere. They come from families. They come from homes. They come from you. And I think it's vitally important for us to continue to try to find ways to build a culture of vocations, not just in our diocese, but in our own parish. And I'd also ask you to make sure you're praying for our seminarians. We, of course, each year have from the diocese our new seminarian prayer card with their faces and names on it. It's a good way to pray for them. You know, this is going to sound strange. Uh, the easy part of seminary is joining. Like I said, that might catch you off guard. Yeah, you got to quit your job, you got to break up with your girlfriend, you got to sell your house, whatever, but that's easy. The challenging part of the next seven, eight, nine years, round the clock, 365, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, constant formation, and we need it in the church, and these years have revealed that we need good formation. But it's not easy, and I do ask that you make sure you're praying for our seminarians, because yes, they've said yes, but they also need your prayers. And so make sure you're praying for our seminarians. And then finally, right to imagine, what if my son, what if my daughter, what if my grandson, what if my granddaughter came and felt called to the priesthood or religious life? What would your answer be? What would your response be? I hope it's nothing less than God bless you. We want what God wants. You have our support. May God bless this diocese and may God bless this parish.